Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all, and I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. And to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. Now the catch is, I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, I realized that it's easy to like something as long as I had an excited person explaining why their thing was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. And for today's episode, we have Tim Schwartz from the Life After Blindness podcast. Tim, how's it going? It's going really well, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I love this. I'm really excited for your thing. When you messaged me, I'm like, yes. Like, like it was a hundred percent yes. <laughs> so I'm really yeah, definitely excited. something that I don't think that you would ever, ever had talked to anybody about before. When when you put posted the question online, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I might be able to uh, to get this one get this one on because I, I doubt he's ever even dealt with this at all. It's like, oh, you're like, I got this, I got it, I I, I know the thing. Yes. Uh, but go ahead and tell the listeners uh, about your show. Yeah. So my show, my podcast that I do, uh, I should say my primary show, is called Life After Blindness. Now that is for really anybody. It doesn't have to be specific to being blind. If you were born blind, if you went blind later in life, if you have a family member or somebody that you know in your life or love or care about that's blind, or maybe you're just curious about how blind people are able to do things. I'm here, I'm I'm on my show to tell people, hey, there can be a life after blindness. So I talk about technology. Uh, in our world, they, they usually refer to it as assistive technology. Sometimes it's just mainstream technology that's been made accessible. Uh, I'll talk about audiobooks or my thing that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Um, I'll, I'll interview people who are blind or visually impaired that are doing great things within either within the blindness community or just in general. I've interviewed musicians and podcasters, journalists, radio show hosts. I've interviewed postal workers, uh, people who you know, work in other forms of government. Uh, I interviewed a, a guy once who, I'd say a kid, but I interviewed him a few years ago, so he's probably not a kid anymore. Uh, he was the manager, he was the manager of his college basketball team. Uh, and uh, was legally blind, so he would, you know, be the one to schedule their. <clears throat> excuse me. He would be the one to schedule their uh, trips to get their hotels booked. He was obviously the towel boy, you know, that kind of thing. But anything and everything that needed to be done, he took care of it. But he's legally blind, so I do my regular show every two weeks when I'm not on a hiatus, uh, and the pandemic has caused a little bit of that this year. But uh, but I do a regular show every two weeks, so I'll do some news, talk to people about what is going on in the blindness community, whether there's new technology or a new app or a you know, uh, some sort of new uh, treatment. And I don't claim to be an, you know, an expert when it comes to the medical stuff. I just report it and say, hey, here's an article. It sounds really cool. Check it out kind of thing. And then I do, uh, you know, interviews, short, shorter form interviews on that part of the show where I'll talk about, uh, like I said, apps or interview people you know, about very, very specific things. I have a segment that I really, really love. I think you'll probably like this, Chris. One of the segments that I do is called Because of My Blindness. I actually mm -hmm. kind of borrowed this from another podcaster uh, named Dave Jackson. He does a podcast about podcasting, and he does a segment called uh, Because of My Podcast. And he'll he'll ask people to send in audio of, you know, okay, because of your podcast, what has happened? What have you experienced? Have you met someone or done something that you would have never done without having your podcast? So basically, what has podcasting done for you? So I put a spin on that and send it out to, you know, I send it out to blind people to say, send me a story, an anecdote, uh, you know, whatever, advice, um, good, bad, or indifferent, because of your blindness, talk to me, tell me, you know, let's, let's show people that 
you know, yes, blindness in general can be kind of scary and daunting and, and it'd be a hard transition if you've lost it later in life or, you know, being born blind that, you know, that has its own uh, different things to go through. But I'll say, you know what, tell me because of your blindness, what's happened? Have you been inspired? Have you inspired someone else? Have you gotten to go somewhere or meet someone, do something that you wouldn't have done if you weren't blind. Let's find that silver lining. And I was really nervous to start that segment so long ago because I was like, you know what? There's going to be people that are going to say, but, but I'm blind. What silver lining? What are you talking about? You know, I was fearful that I would get that kind of feedback and I have here and there, mm-hmm. but a majority, vast majority of the listeners have been so great to send in responses saying, well, actually, yeah, if it wasn't for my blindness, I would have never met my spouse the way I did, or I would have mm. never maybe gotten the job that I did or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And so there's great stories to be told just so we can break the barrier and say, you know what, just because a person is blind doesn't mean the life is over. Doesn't mean that you have to go hide in a room and not participate in the world. You can do things. You can go and work. You can have a podcast. You can, you know, work for a company or, or have your own company. You can go shopping. You can go, you know, whatever. There are so many things you can do that mainstream people just, you know, or that the mainstream just may not realize you can do. And and so that's that's a lot of what I dive into. I know it's a very long way to get to the answer, but but it I, I try to do so much with my show to really help inspire people if I can and educate people and, and just say, hey, you know what? There can be a life after blindness. And that's incredible, Tim. I mean, you're doing so much good work. You're getting, it's both informational, it's uplifting, it's, uh, it's educational. Um, for both uh, the blind and non-blind communities, it's uh, you're doing really, really, really good work. Uh, it, it really is. You should be really proud of your show. Well, I appreciate that, Chris. And yeah, I, I get such great feedback from people. And you know, because of my show, I've actually been asked to be on on so many other uh, shows, even specifically blindness related. I've been a part of radio shows uh, mm-hmm. in Canada and in the United Kingdom, where I've gotten to go on and talk about uh, technology for blind people, and actually been a regular co-host on on those back and forth for like three years now. So I've been able to to, to give back everything that I've been given through my show, through the other shows that I'm a part of. And it's so rewarding. And I I am very proud of it when I get an email or a message from somebody thanking me for talking about something or diving into a topic that maybe otherwise, you know, people might not want to talk about, you know, if it's depression or how you cope with something. Uh, Earlier this year, I did a couple roundtable podcasts separate from my regular bi-weekly show where we talked about coping with vision loss later in life. And then we did another roundtable to kind of you know, just oppose that to say, okay, what about being blind since birth? Is that different than going blind later? Is it the same? And I had guests on in each case that could talk to that. And the just the response was fantastic. So yeah, at any time that I, I get any of that feedback, I mean, I get, obviously, as we all do some negative feedback here and there, but <laughs> the, 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 you know, it's like, but, but usually it's, it's not that bad, you know, it's, it's really, it's really great. And, um, just, just to know that people are listening and can take something from it and feel better about themselves or their blindness or getting a sighted person that sends me a message, which happens from time to time to say, Oh my gosh, I stumbled upon your show and I never knew all these things about what blind people are involved in or what blind people can do. Thank you so much for educating me. I, 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 I feel like I've been ignorant all these years to, to the disability of blindness. So thank you. You know, or people that'll send me a message and say, yeah, my, my parent or grandparent has just started losing their vision and I found your show and now it's helping me with, you know, helping them do things around the house or helping them with using different technologies or, or finding other ways to do things. And, you know, so, you know, I've been able to use what you've said on your show to help them that that is priceless that that is the reward right there when you do a podcast it's it's hard to describe like how much those comments mean to people mean to you <laughs> like yeah. because you, you put so much effort and love and care into each episode and and you there's scheduling and there's and there's time put into it and it's not just you get on the mic, record, done. It's 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 there. Like it's it, no, there's so much that happens before and after, and so those comments and knowing that you actually have impacted people in a positive way 
is so amazing. Like it's it's like Christmas and your birthday wrapped in one. That feeling every single time. <laughs> and it Absolutely. it uh, yeah and. It, it uh, it's good to know that you're helping too. Uh, that's something that, and because not only are you entertaining, and that's always fun, but when you when you get the message from somebody that like, oh, you helped me through some hard times, or you helped me learn, or things like you just taught me saying cited. I've never used that term before, so see, you're already educating one person. You've done you've done a good job for the day. So, uh, <laughs> but okay, I have a whole bunch of questions I want to ask you, but I want to get into your thing because they usually like these, the the questions I'm going to ask are going to be. Uh, contingent upon like your thing so let's go into this so tim please tell me what is your thing my thing is playing audio games audio games okay yeah so excited to talk because i'm a gamer i love games so it's it's oh it's been something i've done since i was a little kid so were you born blind or did it come later in life Actually, my blindness did come later in life. I mm -hmm. actually didn't notice my blindness myself. It was actually my doctors. They saw something happening first. So I believe I was in maybe eighth grade or so. I'm, I'm now six foot four. In, in eighth grade, mm -hmm. I was probably six foot two. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, of course, I played basketball because that's what I was expected to do. And, and it was you have great. To. I love playing law. basketball. It's yeah. the law. Yeah. When you're if six you're, four, you have to. <laughs> yeah, when you're that tall, that young, it's just a requirement, you know. Right. So I, I went to the doctor for just like the usual annual physical for basketball. So I can get mm -hmm. signed off on that. And the doctor said, well, you're great. You're healthy. Everything looks good. But you know what? I'm not an eye doctor, obviously, but when I look into your eyes with, you know, my, my little, you know, uh, uh, instrument here, whatever that thing's called, um, he, uh, he said, you know, there's something weird. There's something back there that just doesn't look right to me. I, I, I think that there's something going on here. And in the meantime, he had already sent me to a, uh, a an endocrinologist because they were also concerned because of my size that mm. I was just too big for my my size you know or my mm -hmm. too big for my age i should say and they were concerned that maybe i had some sort of you know growth issue or growth disease similar to uh if you're familiar with andre the giant he he had what's called acromegaly acromegaly, uh, acromegaly yeah. i believe they call it yeah okay and so they thought maybe that that was the case but I didn't have like the thick bone structure and the right. thick jaw and all that kind of thing that mm -hmm. is typical with somebody with acromegaly. I was very just skin and bone and, you know, bean pole and very skinny, <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing. But the endocrinologist said, no, you're fine. You don't have acromegaly. You're just a big guy for your yeah. age. But yeah, there is something going on behind your eyes. Again, I'm not an ophthalmologist myself either. So then they sent me to an ophthalmologist who said, there's some sort of mass behind your eye. We don't know what that is. They, they weren't really sure what to call it or what it was. And to, to make what could be a really long, long descriptive story short, I bounced around several different uh, university hospitals, local hospitals, saw literally the best of the best in the ophthalmology medical field all over the country, well, almost all over the country. I physically went to places like you know Ohio, Baltimore, Tennessee, Florida, uh, Pennsylvania, because I, I live in, in you know the Eastern time zone just outside Cincinnati. And I physically have been to all those places and more, but then I've been told my eyes have been seen in conferences in like California oh, and, and other places because I, I, I've had them actually show my, my case study at, at conventions and things, ophthalmology meetings. So it's like, what? You know, I've actually had a doctor say, I've seen your eyes before. Where have I seen? Oh yeah. When I was at that convention out West, oh, I saw man. somebody present, present your eyes. I'm like, um, okay. Um, so finally, it took many, many years. They put me on an experimental medication to see if they could slow the process of the vision loss. That didn't work. All that did is made me really, really sick and miss some time from school and high school. And finally, I went to a doctor in Iowa, in Iowa City. But, um, but that doctor, he said, I do see what's wrong here because he had a particular machine that nobody else had so he could see behind my eyes better. And he said that I had extra blood vessels around my optic nerve 
Now, everyone is born with blood vessels around their optic nerve because that's what feeds the optic nerve. I had those and I had more and they were constricting the optic nerve and, and basically you know, killing it or cutting it off. And over time, not only did they damage my optic nerve, but they started to damage each other. So by the time I was probably about 20, 21 years old, my right eye was basically dark. I could have, I had some light perception, maybe a little bit, but my right eye had basically gone to nothing over the next 10 years after that, up till I was about maybe 29 or 30 years old. My left eye basically caught up at this point. I'm, I'm 42. I hate to admit, but I am 42 and my left eye, I can still see some light. If I put my hand right in front of my face, I can see like the outline of my fingers, but it's like a black glove or a grayish whitish blackish kind of glove it's oh, okay. it's kind of weird to describe but but there's no detail i don't see the lines of my hands i don't see any other detail don't really even pick up color once in a blue moon i might think that i can see the pigment of my color or my skin but I, I, I don't know, but um, but I can see that movement. My, my daughter likes to get up really close to my face and we play a game, she's now eight years old, but for years we played a game where she'll get right up close to my left eye and she'll smile and then she'll pucker her lips and then she'll smile and pucker her lips. And she loves that because she knows I can see her corners of her mouth moving a little bit. So to me, it's, <laughs> it's a way to see her smile. And it's just, it's so wonderful to be able to even just have that, you know? Daughters are the best. There's just nothing like your your sweet baby doing things like that. Just those, oh, that touches my heart. I have two daughters, so. Oh, you do have two daughters, yeah. Yeah, yeah It seems daughters, to make yeah. her just as happy as it makes right. me. She gets such a kick out of it, and it tickles her so much. And that is just heartwarming in and of itself that she knows it's something that is beautiful and special to me to even see that at all you know and once in a while if, if the lighting is good and the angle is good i might be able to see like the outline of her cheek or the outline of like her her eyes you know like the eye socket but it's just shape or it's just shadow and the fact that she knows how special that is to me to at least still have that you know kind of connection to be able to see something and see her and she loves it almost as much as i do it seems that's just ah, oh, it's just it's so cool kids are just they're 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 great <laughs> i love kids so much so so for you obviously like things like podcast audiobooks of course are super important i mean those are those are like main forms of entertainment for you so uh so how did you get into audio games then like what are these i've never heard of heard of them and i've actually wondered if they exist like just randomly my my aunt she's deaf she's been deaf for for uh, 40 40 years and but she wasn't born deaf and so for her uh you know reading of course is super important so she can do those type of things we all know asl in my family um so like those type of questions kind of pop into my head already um so what is an audio game that's a bit of a trick question and, and i know it's an overused statement but a lot to unpack there because Getting into audio games really didn't occur to me until much later in my vision loss. Mm. So when I first started losing vision, I went to our local association for the blind and they were getting me you know, large print books and magnifiers and uh, machines that could do uh, you know, like books on tape and things like that. And that was all just for school purposes. And I do remember one of the workers there showing me, again, this is like the late mid to late 90s probably because I was in high school I graduated high school in 96 and so of course that was during the time of a lot of your popular first person shooter games so mm -hmm. Doom and uh, Quake and, and Duke Nukem and all those kind of games were really just starting out you know early mid 90s you know that was kind of the new thing um, and this this worker at our Association of the Blind was showing me this game that he had downloaded at the time and thankfully all these years later it's still available and I still love playing it mm -hmm. it was basically a rework of Doom called Shades of Doom which kind of clever you know. really? Um, and, okay yeah yes. and I didn't think much of it at the time because I still had just enough vision in high school where well plenty of vision really in high school because my right eye hadn't really gotten too bad yet like I said that was about 20, 21 years old. And mm -hmm. so I was still playing games. I, 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 like you said, I've been a gamer 
geez, for a long time, you know, going back to the original, you know, NES, the, the mm -hmm. Nintendo, and uh, even Atari a little bit before that, and going to actual, like, old-fashioned arcades, not, you know, mm -hmm. the high-end fancy arcades we have now, which are awesome, but, you know, going to an arcade that smells of, you know, <laughs> pop and bubble gum and, right. you know, your feet stick to the floor, I mean, you know, the old movie theater thing. Preach it. Preach. Love those. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So, you know, going and playing Pac-Man and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, way mm. back in the early mid 80s, you know, I was five, six years old, but hey, I, you know, I, I was able to get in on that and got a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo and, you know, played those with my friends and my, a friend of mine had a Sega. And so we would play all those. And then, of course, I got into Windows based, you know, PC games in the 90s when that really became a big thing, playing games like Doom and Quake and all those, you know, going forward. And like I said, this this one worker showed me this Shades of Doom, and it was basically a straight up mod, a, wor a rework of Doom, but all audio. So when you're playing the game, obviously there's the usual footstep sounds and sounds that are you know happening around you, and there's that ambiance, but it's like Doom on steroids for your ears. <laughs> because you have to really, really listen because there's sounds that might be coming from, you know, your one side or the other side or in front of you. And maybe it's only a certain, you know, uh, distance away from you. And you have different sounds that will tell you if there's a corridor. So like a wind type sound that'll kind of let you know, hey, there's a long corridor here. Or if it's kind of like a dead sound or whatever, you know, you'll it'll be like you're up against a wall. And so obviously you can't go any further. And it's fantastic. But like I said, at the time, I had a lot of vision still left. And <laughs> I was like, okay, that's really cool. But, ah, you know, that's not for me. My denial was still kicking in. I'm never going to lose all my vision. I'll be okay. I don't need that. And so I continued on playing all the games that we would play in the you know late 90s, early 2000s. I was a big MMORPG fan. So I played... Um, oddly enough, not the bigger ones like EverQuest or, or World of Warcraft, although I'm familiar with them and I've dabbled with them. But I mm -hmm. played a game called Dark Age of Camelot. And oh, I, I know played that, that for a number yeah. of years. Yeah, it's actually it still still goes mm -hmm. uh, still uh, is going on today, um, which I could still see to play it because I love <laughs> right. that game. Um, but then I would beta test a lot of other games. So like when Star Wars Galaxies came out and there was a game called Guild Wars and mm -hmm. oh my gosh, so many other City of Heroes and all these MMORPGs. So I really got into <laughs> that whole genre playing online right. games. The first time a buddy of mine said, hey, there's this great game I want you to play, you know, download. So download the game or go buy the game. Uh, I guess, yeah, we had to buy it at first and download later. Um, he's like, and then log in, create an account. And here's what I want you to create and you'll join me in game. And I'm like, all right. So I'm thinking this is going to be like, you know, your Doom type stuff or Duke Nukem where you're joining like on a, on a, a Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. you know, network and you're just going to see the other person's character and whatever. And he started taking me around the worlds of, of Dark Age of Camelot. And we're like walking out of this castle and walking over a hill and up but over this other way and this other hill. And it's all able to be explored. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Because I really didn't understand that genre of game at the time. And I just was welcomed into and, and it opened up a whole bigger new world for me for gaming, as it did for a lot of people, of course. And then, oh, um, maybe about <laughs> eight, seven, eight, nine years later, something like that, th that's when the rest of my vision went in my left eye, and I couldn't do it properly anymore. Uh, and no matter how big I made the text, no matter how hard I tried, no matter how big my monitor was for my computer, I just couldn't do it. I wasn't really able to play console games as much anymore and was having to step back because it just was getting way too hard and I just couldn't see to do it. And so I revisited that thought, that memory of that one meeting, you know, when I was in high school where the guy showed me Shades of Doom. And I immediately went out and downloaded it, was so thankful that it was still there. And <laughs> right. then I found a whole new world of gaming <laughs> because there were 
yes, games like that that were the Doom knockoff, basically, but I mean, so good. But then there were tank simulators and flight simulators and F1 racing games. And um, I, I don't even remember, like all the different kinds of things that I found at the time. Um, so many different games. And they were f anywhere from basic, just uh, a computerized voice talking to you and explaining what's going on, almost just like text-to-speech, just saying, you know, your move kind of thing. To that, From that simple all the way to completely immersive 3D audio sound that you have to interact with and interact in a world where, you know, they always use the trope of your character can't see or has been blinded or is in the dark and you don't have night vision, so you need to get through this without seeing, you know, that kind of thing. But then more developers, sighted and blind people actually, there's a lot of blind gaming uh, developers out there, started making side-scrolling games and other 3D games and um, just the plethora of games that are available blew my mind and this was 12, 13 years ago, 15 years ago that I was finding all these games. Um, there was a Star Trek, you know, like a, a, a like a, a simulator where you were on the bridge of a of a starship and, and oh, you had to control everything and yeah yeah but it was all audio so like you would be attacked by another ship and you'd have to put up you know, put your shields up and you know activate photon torpedoes and all that kind of thing and you had to actually fly yourself around the, the galaxy and complete missions and that kind of thing you know like i said there was a tank simulator where you had to do different missions and, and that kind of thing but it's all audio so no visuals whatsoever no visuals required and so that experience of diving into that and realizing my gaming life isn't over you you talk about a very welcomed surprise you know that i could actually still play games it wasn't right. what i used to play it wasn't mainstream necessarily not then we'll get to that uh later but um because that's great news but um but at the time no nothing really mainstream that was accessible but there was this whole nother world out there of audio game development, mostly specifically for people that are blind, but really anybody that wants to play it for, for a challenge, but specifically usually designed for blind players. And I just, I, I just never knew. How you're describing it, other than the fact that I know that it's more audio based, is you're just describing great video games. You're not describing anything that sounds Correct. like it's a little, yeah. And that's what I love. Like you're talking about racing games, and um, uh, by the way, I just want to make a quick reference to uh, <laughs> to City of Heroes. That game was cr that game was crazy. <laughs> I remember that one, and because it, it crashed my it crashed my computer every time I left my little area, and so I only played it for like oh, no. a, a a week. And I anyway, uh, I don't want to get bogged Imagine down. Imagine how I felt. I yeah, I, I played the beta. I I only played oh my the, the actual live game for maybe a year or so, but I was in the beta like six months before the game was launched. So I understand flying right. through walls and, and all kinds of crazy <laughs> bugs that they had. That's so funny. Um, but uh, see, you're just describing great games. And see, that's something that I, I love that you even sought those out because for someone who doesn't play video games, it's hard to describe how fun they are. And I, like you said, same with me. I had an original NES. Uh, and uh, my girls love video games. I love video games. Like, it's just part of my life. Of, of a bit, it's a big hobby that I have that I find to be very social, um, and and that I have a good time doing them with other people as well. And so, like when you mentioned MMOs, that's the thing I like the most about them is the social aspect. Is that like I. Uh, I had my brother on for an episode a while back ago, and that's one of the ways that we kept in touch when he moved, um, is that we would play games together. So so what's one that you're, like, what's your favorite one? Like, what's one you're playing right now if you're playing any of them currently? Oh gosh, what am I playing now that's my favorite one? That's a trick question because there's so many good ones. And <laughs> okay, yeah, so what's one that you would just write, that like, like immediately pops to, pops pops into your head because I don't saying favorite is a loaded it's a loaded question <laughs> I get that well it is and, and because of the fact that audio games in a broader sense because we've talked about games that are immersive and have the 3d audio and and you can do it with your eyes closed basically I mean just think of any video game that is so well done that you could play it with your eyes closed I mean that that's what we're talking really about wow with audio games however in yeah. the blind 
community or for the blind community, there's another kind of angle to this. And, and I'll get, uh, this does lead into your question, I promise, but um, because there are games that aren't necessarily 3D audio and immersive, but they're mm-hmm. still quote unquote audio that the blind can play. Because as, as blind people, blind and visually impaired people, if you can't see at all or see very little, one of the ways that we can interact with our computers or our smartphones, because of course for reading, if, you, if you'd like to, you can choose to learn braille and, and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. But everything else in our lives are, is, is audible, is audio. And so we have what's called screen readers that we use on a you know, computer like a PC or a Mac or an iPhone or an Android. And they're all built in nowadays. It used to be you have to spend hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars to get this software. But now, you know, Microsoft has their own version. Apple has their own built in uh, for Apple, you know, for Mac and PC. And then um, on iOS, you know, you know, iPhones and Androids, they're actually built in right out of the box. Anybody with an iPhone or an Android can turn on that accessibility feature to have your phone speak to you. And so there are games out there that are developed by either sighted or even blind developers alike that just use that technology. So there might be some visual, maybe no visual, but sometimes there's some visuals. Mm-hmm. But the important part is that the screen reader can interpret what's going on or can read things that are put on the screen to kind of make it be uh, an audio game in and of itself. So, for wow. example, those okay. kind of simplistic, quote-unquote simplistic kind of audio games would be uh, Solitaire okay. or um, Minesweeper or Battleship or Uno, you know, card games, casino mm-hmm. games. I've got slot machine games, Blackjack, uh, Farkle, if anybody's you know ever heard of the, the dice game Farkle. Um, mm-hmm. I can play all of those and I do every, almost every day, I, you know, at least once a week, I'll play maybe around a battleship. I play Farkle, thankfully, in a game that's not just made with blind people in mind and made accessible with the screen reader on my phone, but mm-hmm. they have enough visuals where my wife plays it, my mom plays it, a couple of my friends play it, and we'll play, there's like six or so, six different dice games in this one game that we play on our iPhones, and they can play with me. And, and, you know, as a blind person. So in a a very minimal sense, I have those that I play all the time. So when you're talking about games that I play, I'm playing Farkle and those other dice games or Solitaire or just like anybody else would sit at their their computer or sit on their phone and and do that. There's a, a guy who's made, he's a sighted guy from Florida named Marty Schultz. And he's developed, I think, about 80 games now for the iPhone that are all accessible in this way. So his version of Candy Crush, Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, you know, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, but then Solitaire and, you know, Take Care of Your Puppy, you know, one of those kind of dogs where, or one of those games where it's like, you got to feed your dog and, you know, walk your dog. And, you know, I played it for like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's okay. Um, <laughs> you know, so some of them have really great audio. So like, you know, the battleship, when you, you're, you're literally just putting your finger around a grid on your screen, just like you would with regular battleship, but you know, on your screen. But when I tap on the, you know, a one or, you know, whatever, it makes this great missile sound like, you know, the missile is launching. And then if it's a miss, it plops into the water. If it's a hit, it explodes. And I hear the sound telling me that it's, it's hit a ship, you know? So, so there is that level of game that I can play all the time, pick it up and go. Um, just like anybody else, but they're, I have to get them from very specific developers to mm-hmm. be made specifically for me because very rarely, it does happen um, on a smartphone, but very rarely is a mainstream game made accessible because there's just too many visuals, too much on screen for them to try to describe to someone mm-hmm. who's blind. Not that it doesn't happen, but but it's, it's a little bit more rare. On the PC side, however, PC and Mac side, obviously you can get a whole lot more immersed and involved. And if I had to pick a couple games, I'll, I'll throw a couple out there. There's one that's been popular the last couple of years called A Hero's Call. Mm-hmm. Think of, how would I even describe A Hero's Call? Um, the most immersive, interactive video game you've ever played with role-playing and battling and saving the kingdom kind of game, but it's all audio. 
Now, the, wow. in that particular case, they did the wow. audio first because their their plan was to do the audio and make it standalone as an audio game. But then they are, from what I understand, working on visuals so they can release it as a mainstream, you know, quote unquote mainstream game. But they did audio first to prove that they could do it. That's and amazing. I can absolutely sit and play. It is. I can absolutely sit and play that game. No visuals and go on missions and save people and defeat creatures and you know whatever all of that totally immersed in audio and honestly i i would love the visuals but i don't miss the visuals there are other games that i've played one of them's a little well, a couple of them are a little bit older obviously that shades of doom is still fun even after you know 25 years of it being around um that's still fun to pick up and play sometimes because it's it's just your first person shooter fun of going through and battling monsters and you've got your knife and you've got your big gun and you've got your whatever that you can switch between and power-ups and and you know energy packs and little missions you've got to go on to unlock doors and anything you would think of in in those kind of first-person shooter games you know made popular in the 90s that shades of doom does it but just all audibly there's another game that i found several years ago that because of my love for MMOs, I was desperately trying to find something. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of text-based games that were literally just the text. So if you remember in the days of, of you know, I don't, I don't know how they are now, I presume it's the same, but like when I played Dark Age of Camelot, the bottom window had like the chat with anybody else, so the, the, the right. community yes. chat, our guild chat, our private chat. But the top window, when you would be battling someone or something, was you hit for you know 20 hit points or you you know you've been hit for x amount of damage you've done a spell or you know whatever all of that stuff there are many many games out there made for the blind that are literally just that text and you just have keyboard shortcuts where you push buttons to hit or fight or whatever mm-hmm. to do the battle or cast a spell and it's just reading that information back to you and, I'm, and when i first found those i'm like you know what that's great but it's still just not quite what I want because it's just the text. There was no sound effects. There was no music. There was no immersiveness to it. And then I found a game called Entombed. So E-N-Tombed, Entombed. It is your traditional dungeon crawler type game. There's trolls and whatever else to battle in these dungeons. There's little stops along the way that for whatever reason, some wizard has set up a shop to sell you I don't know, some sort of magic item for whatever silly reason that these games do such a thing. Um, but, you know, you, you you literally are doing a dungeon crawl and have missions to fulfill. You pick up, uh, you know, cohorts along the way that you can then switch between, just like a lot of RPG games. So you can play as one character, but then switch to the other or for, you know, for whatever reason, or or have them helping you in a battle. Anything that you would, would consider in a standard RPG type game, Entombed does, and it's not just a matter of announcing you hit for five HP or something. It's sound. It's, you know, the, the sound of, of whatever the monster is attacking you, the sound of your sword and your attack, and there's music and dungeon sound effects. You'll hear bats and wind and you know what I mean? Just all that kind of thing that makes it immersive and makes it fun and interactive. And I love that game. I mean, it's like 12 years old or something now, and I don't care. It's still <laughs> so good. So there's there's a variety of those kind of games, but those are the ones that I always say to people, A Hero's Call is the newest. Shades of Doom is probably the oldest. You know, Entombed is in the middle, but then there's so many other ones that just do very similar things. A friend of mine that I've actually interviewed on my show uh, is a game developer, and he's done one that's like an egg hunt. Um, that a lot of blind children in, in school actually for egg hunting at Easter time, they'll put beepers in plastic eggs. That's fantastic. And so they'll run around a field kind of yeah. dangerously in a way because they're blind running around a field trying to look for beeping eggs. <laughs> oh, um, but, but thankfully teachers and parents are there to kind of steer them, make sure they don't bonk heads or something. But right. um, he made a game that's totally 3D and you go around collecting these beeping eggs. But then he's added like chickens that are trying to protect the eggs. And so they'll come and try to peck at you and and stop you. And then you can get clocks that'll add more time to your mission of getting the eggs. So simple and ridiculous, but so super fun. And it's all 3D and immersive. You know, there's a 3D Pac-Man that you can play where it's not your overhead Pac-Man. You're actually like from Pac-Man's 
point of view, first person, and going through the tunnels or the the you know the the maze that is the you know the Pac-Man maze. If anybody's mm. familiar, hopefully people are familiar. Incredible, my yeah. Um, but you'll hear different <laughs> sounds. Like I said before, if it's if you're coming up against a wall or a barrier, you hear a sound that you know that that's what that is. If it's a longer you know corridor in the maze, you hear a sound that tells you that. If the ghosts are coming at you, you you hear that from whichever direction they're coming from, and so you can play it that way. There's uh, pinball that's the same way you know 3d pinball where you're basically following the ball around and, and knowing you have to know when to hit the ball and things like that you know baseball football you name it there's an audio game for it and it's it's endless there there's a website that's really really great keeping up on all this called audiogames.net and I checked recently and their directory and I'm sure they don't even have them all their directory has almost like 800 games in it Wow. All right, so audiogames.net. I'm going to include that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, audiogames.net. And it's like 740 or 50-something games that are strictly either audio or, you know, assisted with some sort of text-to-speech, but primarily audio games. Now, some of those might be discontinued because that's just the Mm -hmm. grand list or their master list. Right. And so I'm sure some of those probably aren't made anymore, developed or updated anymore. But so many of them are new or, or you know, made recently that still get updated or available in some form or another. And so there's no, you know, there seems to be no limit to it. You know, there, there's not a lack of games. And, and that's still just the tip of the iceberg because, as I mentioned before, mainstream gaming is getting on board. So oh, the last couple great. of years, and as, as part of what I do for my show and the other two shows that I, I'm occasionally a part of, the radio shows I do that are tech-based for blind people, I've gotten the privilege of learning these things and talking to some people. And companies like EA Sports, you know, EA Games, EA Sports, That's and Microsoft and others are getting on board. So right now, if anybody listening has a copy of Madden, like a newer copy, I think eight, 2018 and, and later, or Need for Speed, if you go into the settings, there are accessibility settings and they will add, if you turn them on, they'll add extra audio for say, when you're kicking the ball, uh, there'll be an audio to tell you what the, the little meter is when you go to kick and it'll add more rumble to your game controller to let you yes. physically know. Yeah. <laughs> so like if something's going to happen, you have your usual rumble, but then they've added additional things for blind people to have like a physical cue in their hands to know what's going to happen. And then all these other audio kind of cues, they did the same thing with Need for Speed. And so they've taken existing mainstream games that are popular and added accessibility to them. They actually have an accessibility department. They have a woman who's so great. Her name is Karen, and she you know, pushes for this accessibility and, and works with the community to make the games more accessible. Like I said, you know, um, you know, this with EA and Microsoft both, you know, doing all this. Uh, another company called Rare, they're the ones that did like, was it Primal Rage back in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, they are starting to make their games to be more accessible with sound effects and things that, that anybody can play them, including blind people. So we're just starting to get into that world where there's some games on Nintendo Switch that are audio based or made to be accessible with extra audio. There's, you know, these other games I'm talking about and other companies getting on board to be more inclusive. And I'll tell you what, that, that is awesome. I would have never thought that that would be the case someday that mainstream game companies were going to start implementing accessibility to make their games accessible for you know for blind people in such a way that i i could now go buy a console i haven't bought a console in probably 20 years and i could do it now and feel comfortable that there'd be a handful maybe not a lot but a handful of games i could actually play that's unbelievably incredible i the one thing you've done is i usually think of ea as being an evil corporation and gosh dang it tim you just made me rethink my whole my whole worldview about ea so. <laughs> yeah, I used to think the same thing, especially when they bought Mythic Entertainment, who was the ones who uh, owned Dark Age of Camelot when I played it. Uh, and EA took over, and they were still going to have it be like, you know, under this umbrella of Mythic uh-huh. Entertainment. And I'm like, but it's EA. Why? Why? No, are they, why? don't no, do it. Why? Yeah, that's so funny. You know, but you... thankfully, I mean, the game stayed okay, and they kept to their word of <laughs> kind of in-house development. But no, I agree with you. But then when they're saying, you know what? No, we're going to make Madden 
do this. I'm like you, right? You, you, you what? I, That's amazing. Okay. That is you know, so incredible. I, it, it, it's so cool. You you actually answered my question. That was my next one. Like, who are some of the people, the mainstream uh, companies making these games? What are some of the games on Switch? Because I I love my Switch. Um, what are some of the games on Switch that that are coming out? You know, unfortunately, I don't know what they're called. Um, I don't fine. have a Switch. My I daughter is up. begging. Yeah. yeah, my daughter's begging to get a Nintendo Switch. My wife and I keep kind of you know, uh, you know go back <laughs> right. and forth because she's she's eight years old, and in my opinion, mm. I mean, I was before I was eight years old, I had a Game Boy, I'm sure, and, right. you know, back in the day, and my NES. But it's just just kind of thinking. But um, yeah. I know there are a handful that that are specifically audio, but because I don't have one, I haven't really dove into that as much as I probably right. should have. Right. Totally but understand. I know that there are a handful of a handful of games that are accessible audibly, you know, with uh, with Nintendo Switch. Yeah, one one gamer dad to, to another, the Switch is worth every penny. Um, it, it's it's oh, I yeah. I honestly have to say, it's my favorite console I've ever owned, and I've and and I've owned I've owned a lot of them. I think it's the I think it's the most family friendly. I think it's the the best for um, kids as well. And then now knowing that they're going to have these these audio based games or um or audio the audio accessible games. Um, it just makes me think that it's even better. That's that's such, that's great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to a day where companies like Microsoft or EA or or you know, Nintendo, you know, mm-hmm. I can pick up a game again like Mario or like Legend of Zelda right. or Castlevania mm-hmm. or you know the games I loved as a kid, you know, that I'd right. spend hours and hours playing. If if at all there's a time where I can play those and play them well, you know, and actually right. feel like I'm accomplishing something. That's going to be an amazing day. Now, we're not there yet, but we're getting mm-hmm. there. Now, that said, I mean, there's some some of the fighting games. Um, I, I haven't personally done a lot of it. I've done a little, but I know some blind people that'll play things like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, the more recent ones, you know, the very, very most mm-hmm. recent ones, because the audio quality the 3d surround you know immersive quality is so good Mm -hmm. they can play them you put their headphones on and and can play them fine and it can actually wow that's amazing because the quality and it's not even intentional on on the part of the developers of the games (laughs) it's just that the 3d audio has gotten so good now you know that it just you just can if you really listen and listen carefully and closely you know, you can hear the spatial, you know, audio between you and the other other you know competitor or you know whatever, and so you know hear what's coming, and to me that's that's pretty cool. It's not even intentional. So if we can do that, and they can add you know the accessibility they've done to these other games we talked about, I'm hopeful. I'm really hopeful that there'll be a day where I can, I can actually play these other games that I've been missing out on all these years. You know, Call of Duties and you know even going way back, you know, Halo. I remember when the first Halo came out. I played it, and then that was about it. I've not played anything since because I, I didn't have the vision for it. Um, so, you know, that to me is appealing. But in the meantime, I've got my audio games, and I can I can enjoy those. I mean, I hope that day comes too. Like, <laughs> now that's something I wish for for a year's sake. That sounds that's a that's a world I want to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so this episode may be coming to an end, but the work is just beginning. Tim has given us the uh, the guidebook for a great week and for the response edition of this episode. I'll be spending this week taking as much time um, taking as much time as I can, like playing these games because I'm I'm going to try, uh, and I'll be taking as much of Tim's advice as I can fit in. I'll report back to you with Elise on the response edition. Uh, now, in the meantime, I hope you'll try Tim's advice as well. Or if you can add more to the conversation with your own expertise, you can contact us either via Twitter or Instagram at like2likethings. You can also leave a message on the like line at 661-279-0130 or via email at ilikethelikethingspodcast at gmail.com. Now, of course, for this one, I will be including a ton of links in the show notes of ways to get to things like A Hero's Call or any of the other games. And Tim, I hope that if you could please provide as many um, links for me uh, to be able to let people try these out. Now, if you want to, yeah, now if you'd like to be on the show or you have a friend that wants to share, please contact me using those same channels. You can also support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash I like the light things. We can join people like Gerald, 
the Galindo, Morgan, Dave, Jay, Paul, Paris, and Tony. Now, uh, Tim, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. People can, of course, go to my website, lifeafterblindness.com. If they want to find me on Twitter, it's at Labcast, so L-A-B-C-A-S-T. Uh, Life After Blindness on Facebook as well. And I do have a Patreon, uh, lifeafterblindness.com slash Patreon. <sighs> Tim, you've you blown my mind, man. You've blown my mind change the way that the world exists in my brain i could not be more excited to to take the deep dive uh, one quick last question now you say most of these are pc or mac or anything like that uh things like that are they are they free or do they cost money to play either way is fine i just am curious the answer is yes, um, both. Yeah. Um, there are some <laughs> okay. that are definitely going to be free, especially some of the older games are going to be free. There are mm -hmm. some that may cost you know, twenty dollars, ten dollars. You know, the yeah. ones on on iPhone uh, in particular, most of those are usually free if they have a cost mm -hmm. anywhere from ninety nine cents to maybe ten dollars at the most. There's a lot of, I mean, a whole lot of those that we even barely touch on because there's a lot of three D immersive games there as well for the iPhone. So yeah, and sometimes the, the more advanced ones will cost a little bit, like I said, five, $10 at the most, but right. uh, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, definitely a fun thing to dive into whether you can see or not. And uh, if I've opened your mind, well, my work here is done. <laughs> you did it. You done did it, Tim. You done did it. <laughs> I will, I, I spend money on games and I know that you understand this too, just as anybody that games is that yes certain games do cost more and that's fine but like the amount of time that you spend using these games they're literally worth every cent and the and the the way that you're describing these games they're worth they're priceless like these are these are just amazing they sound amazing um they but, definitely uh, are the the fun and the entertainment that goes into it is is just rewarding. I will say one one last thing. There is a game coming out soon that I'm looking forward to called Pitch Black, and that's supposed to be available on PC, Mac, iOS, and Android, I believe. Comes out uh, you know, near the end of, of 2020, maybe sometime in November of 2020. And it supposedly is gonna be the game that just breaks all the molds when it comes to audio games. So that's wow. Pitch Black. It's not out just yet, but everything I've heard about it, I, I have heard a demo of it. It sounds like it's going to be one of the best, if not the best one we've had. So that's something to, to keep an eye on, uh, no pun intended, um, for people <laughs> you know, hearing this after the fact, if it's been released. Um, that's one I'm going to be playing all through the holidays. Oh, that sounds incredible. Pitch Black. Oh, I'm so I'm excited. I'm real. I'm genuinely excited. Um, but but thank you so Tim. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciate it. This is great. This really is. You changed some minds, including myself. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that, Chris. And, and I'm so happy to be on. Thank you so much for for inviting me to be on and share my love of audio games. I, I hope that you and, and your listeners and others can can share in my passion and, and open up new doors. So thank you so much again. Yeah. And I will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. 